time. Time is running out. Calling all patriots and lovers of our constitutionally protected, God-given, self-evident, inalienable rights in Tennessee and the United States of America. If you are sickened by the liberty-eroding activities of a government that hates you, then it is time to wake up. If you are fed up with the tyrannical leadership on display by all levels of government, now is the time to listen to your reveille call. If you are equally tired of the political class, the new aristocracy, lying to you in their pursuit of power and control, now is the time to take a stand in the arena. Please welcome your host, Larry Linton, U.S. Navy veteran and candidate for Tennessee House of Representatives to the Liberty Leadership and Lies podcast. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this week's episode of the Liberty Leadership and Lies podcast. Continuing the longest streak this year for recording in the Goat Locker studio. On a recent blog post on the website, libertyleadershipandlies.com, by the way, if you're not following me on my website, please head over there right now and follow me, subscribe to the updates. It's free to subscribe, absolutely free, so it doesn't cost you any money. Anyway, in that blog post on October 12th, I asked a couple of questions. The reason that I asked these questions are because I've encountered a few, very few by the way, a few voters in this district that have stated they are good friends or longtime friends of my opponent in the upcoming election. Speaking of the word opponent, we'll dive a bit into that word later on in this podcast. So but back to the questions though in that blog post. Today's topic on liberty will discuss the questions I asked in that blog post titled Liberty versus Friendship. As I was saying, I have encountered a few friends of Representative Dale Carr. Full disclosure here, ladies and gentlemen, I have met with and corresponded with Dale quite a few times over the past couple of years, and I do not harbor any ill will towards the man. In fact, I find the gentleman to be very cordial and open to talking with me on several subjects. He's a fine, lifelong Tennessean and has done some very good things for District 12 during his tenure in office. I, and many others, believe that the General Assembly needs to be guided in a new direction, though, in these times of ever-increasing overreach by the federal government, the direction that the Founding Fathers designed for our state governments, where the individual states are sovereign over the federal government and where the citizens are sovereign over both the state and federal governments. The bought and paid for submission of the individual state governments to whatever comes down the line from the federal government is the exact opposite of what the Founding Fathers intended for this great nation. This bought and paid for submission, by the way, comes via the sweat equity of the citizens. By granting, unconstitutionally by the way, we've talked about it before, by granting the federal government the first cut of wages earned by the citizens of this country, the states have allowed the central or federal government to explode in size and impact in the everyday lives of the citizens of these here United States of America. The individual states, through the representatives in their legislatures, have become addicted to this federal funding. In the effort to appear to be doing more for their constituents, they have all sold us out to the insatiable appetite of federal government control. 
But back to my door-to-door canvassing and the importance of the questions that I asked these people. Questions that we should all ask each other and ask ourselves. These very few individuals that told me specifically they were Dale Carr's friends after I introduced myself as running against him in this year's election, well, I can count them on one hand so far. After they informed me of their friendship status, I asked them this question. Will friendship protect your liberty? I also asked some of them this question. Which is more important, liberty or friendship? As well as this question. Which one of those can guarantee the other, friendship or liberty? Those are the questions I posted in my blog along with this one. Which one can hinder the other, liberty or friendship? We'll dive into each of these questions as we go on here. Now, I'm quite sure that most of you have some very good friends. I know that I do. Some lifelong friends from my childhood and teenage years, as well as some that I have met and served with during my 30 years in the Navy. There are also the ones that I have made since retiring and settling down here in Sevier County, from my church, my neighbors, and others in the community. Friendships are great. There are some of these friendships that I know that go beyond just mere friends as well. They are more like family, brothers and sisters, if you will. Some of those people will stand by me through thick and thin. We've shared hardships as well as good times. Those friendships are even more special to me as I am sure you all have the same types of friends that are like family to you as well. Now consider this, though. The average or normal friendships that you have. The occasional birthday or Christmas card type of friends. Or the rare barbecue or some other type of get-together friends. You know them or have known them for years. Maybe you've went to the same parties or other social gatherings. You have the same circle of friends. Now think really hard about this next question. Would any of those average or normal friendships, the ones that are not like a family member that you have shared real hardships with, would any of them fight tooth and nail to defend your liberty or your life if it came down to it? Or would they retreat to a place of just leave us or me alone? I can tell you that I have a few of those type of friends. I can also say that you and I probably have a lot of people in our lives That when push came to shove where they had a choice of laying down their lives for you or retreating to a place where they and their loved ones are not in danger, they would do so. Not that I'm saying that is a bad thing or not. It depends on what you and your friend both expect out of the relationship. Does your friendship come with the understanding that you will both make sacrifices to protect one another's lives? Or does it come with the understanding that the relationship is completely depending on not putting each other in those uncomfortable situations? This goes to the first question I asked. Will friendship protect your liberty? In some cases, maybe it will. I know I have developed a lot of those type of friends where we will protect each other's liberty by serving in the crucible of the armed forces of the United States. But in most cases, though, these friendships probably won't. Take, for instance, the specific instances that I am referring to here. When I encounter a resident that states they are good friends with Mr. Carr, but you could insert any elected official's name because the answer is almost universal, would a friendship with an elected official guarantee, now guarantee, the protection of your liberty? Well, 
We already have an answer to that question, don't we? The past two years, in particular, have shown that friendships with elected officials be damned. The citizens' liberty is not high on the priority list for the new aristocracy. I wonder if anybody who lost their businesses or livelihoods during the government's reaction to the recent scamdemic are friends with anybody in the General Assembly. Well, that led me inevitably to the next question to these individuals. I asked them, which is more important, liberty or friendship? I'm asking you all this too as well. What is more important, liberty or friendship? After all, you can make friends while serving time in prison. Would you rather be free and do without any possible friendships you could make while incarcerated? I believe the answer to that question is quite obvious, or at least it should be. Well, people that are quote-unquote friends with many current elected officials and are not leading them to the true purpose of government, remember, the true purpose of government is to secure the people's liberty, when they do not hold them accountable for securing liberty and then keep voting to re-elect them based upon friendship, they are just building the prison walls for themselves. Not only for themselves, but for every other citizen in our nation. Because if government is not securing the people's liberty, they are eroding it. There is no in-between for the function of government. Whatever legislation they pass, no matter the subject, it either secures the people's liberty or it erodes it. No ifs, ands, or buts there. So, while they may not know what they are doing by continuing to support a friend's re-election to office, they are surely building a prison if that is the only criteria for their vote. You can see this happening all over the country right now. It isn't unique to just here in Sevier County. I mean, just how many people think our governor is their friend? How many of those people, probably pretty wealthy considering the circles he ran in prior to getting elected, how many of those people suffered because of government's unconstitutional actions? These wealthy people weren't alone in their suffering either. Most of these wealthy people owned businesses that employed a lot of other people. Those people suffered too, especially if they were deemed to be non-essential workers by a government who does not have that authority. Then how about the children that have suffered as well? There is a broad scientific consensus that school closures and masks while in schools harmed children more than they protected them from the coronavirus. How about the people harmed by not being able to see their loved ones in hospitals in elderly care facilities? Just how many people died alone without any family by their side? How many people died in hospitals because of the medical protocols and not because of the virus? Were they friends with elected officials? Was their friendship more important to them than their liberty? Apparently, for a lot of people, it was. And look at the enormous personal cost. Look at the enormous cost in lives, liberty, and fortunes the people of this state had to pay because friendship kept people in elected office.
not policy stances, not instances of defending liberty. Friendship alone keeps a lot of people in office, and it is costing all of us on a local, state, and federal level. The next question was one of simple logic. Which one can guarantee the other? Can friendship guarantee liberty or can liberty guarantee friendship? Based upon the scenarios I just talked about when discussing if liberty or friendship is more important, each of us can come to the correct conclusion. Friendship definitely cannot guarantee liberty. Even just the basic view of the lockdowns makes that obvious. We weren't able to travel about freely to meet with friends or even to make new ones. We were directed to cower in fear in our homes. Fear of a virus with a greater than 99% survival rate. Friendships were destroyed, perhaps forever, by the fact if you believed the government or not. If you followed the Constitution shredding unscientific orders from elected officials. Heck, just the other day, I encountered a friend of my opponent while going door-to-door. Friendship with one candidate that produced hostility towards me. Simply for the fact that I am challenging his friend for the opportunity to represent the residents of District 12. This man abruptly shut the door in my face after I introduced myself and why I was at his door. After stating he was a quote-unquote friend of Mr. Dale Carr, he almost slammed the door in my face. Friendship can destroy a civil society that does not respect another citizen that will work to protect their liberty by working to force government back into its constitutionally designed box. However, if we all work to preserve and protect liberty by participating in our system of self-governance, by encouraging everybody to do the same, we are free to develop friendships in a society that is not living under tyranny. We can all be civil to each other without a tyrannical government working to pit each of us against our fellow citizen. We can also respect the people that are willing to suffer the barbs and attacks and humiliations that come from the supporters of tyranny. So, absolutely, liberty can guarantee the ability to develop friendships and a civil society. Friendships that keep elected people in office that fail to perform their constitutional duties results in tyranny and contributes to the development of a ruling elite serving in elected office. People that keep getting elected because of friendships and apathy and not following their oaths to the Constitution. All of that, my friends, leads to the final question. Which one, friendship or liberty, hinders the other? Well, to borrow from an old Geico commercial, that is so simple even a caveman can figure it out. Friendships with elected officials, and that being the only criteria for keeping them in office, hinders liberty. This voting because of friendship only works hand-in-glove with the voter apathy that is so pervasive in our constitutional republic. I'm not letting these encounters with the quote-unquote friends of my opponent deter me, though. 
It should not deter anyone seeking elected office to restore liberty to our state and to our nation. For every one of those encounters, I have a dozen other encounters of people that patiently listen to me and then say they will support me in this upcoming election. They, like many other citizens all over the district, recognize that our government in Nashville is not operating as designed. Corruption, political party cronyism, lobbyists, corporate money, and influence have all worked together to build friendships and erode liberty. In fact, I came across one gentleman this past Monday, shortly after a door was abruptly shut in my face. After introducing myself and who I was running against, he told me to stop right there and that he will already be voting for me come November. I did not even have to give him my short biography and my elevator speech before handing him some campaign literature. I will not repeat exactly what he said, but he simply stated that our current representative has not performed the functions expected or promised during previous campaigns. I'm not sure if that was a friendship that had soured or just a resident, like many other residents that have encountered in all four corners of the district, that was tired of the same old, same old happening in Nashville. Tired of the corruption and backroom dealing of elected officials that only benefit the moneyed interests in Nashville and not the residents of Sevier County. Whatever the reason, I will be glad to accept his support. We are all tired of the status quo in Nashville, as well as in Washington, D.C., that no longer considers the citizens as the sovereign in our nation, but just considers us the source of their funding to maintain and grow their power and control. So please consider those questions. Ask them to yourselves. Ask them to your neighbors. But let's now talk about that word, opponent. I'm not really fond of it in this instance. If you look at the definition of opponent and as an adjective, it doesn't really fit. I have said before that I have met and corresponded with Mr. Dale Carr. He is a very pleasant fellow and easy to talk with. I don't believe our relationship is adverse or antagonistic. In fact, I do not believe we have very many opposing positions. He does have a fairly good conservative voting record. However, I believe he and every other representative and senator in Nashville has either lost sight or never really understood the true function of a state government. They are the body of government that is supposed to stand in the gap between an ever-overreaching federal government and all us Tennesseans. I don't even really care who is president either. Our republic has lost sight of what federalism is and how the constitutions of both the United States of America and Tennessee are written to limit government. We have allowed both bodies of government to destroy federalism and to limit the liberty of the individual citizens. So, I do not consider Representative Dale Carr as an opponent, but as a rival. We are two people competing for the same object or goal. That goal may consist of a lot of different things for my rival than for me, but my sole goal is to restore the proper relationship between the federal government and this state and to secure the liberty of Tennesseans. 
We are competitors for the same object, but with different goals. We are competing or standing in rivalry. The word opponent takes on an adverse or adversarial meaning, and I believe we are just competing for the same object. We both have friends that want us to be successful in our endeavors, but these friends have different goals as well. The many friends that I have here in the county would like to see me succeed in this endeavor because they know I will work my hardest to achieve the goal of restoring government to its role of securing the liberty of the citizens. They know that because of their friendship, there won't be any special access or that I would compromise my principles solely for the reason of our friendship. All of my friends and supporters in this endeavor understand that I will be a tireless advocate for a restoration of constitutional principles. They also know that I will follow my oath to the Constitution because they recognize that, borrowing from Thomas Jefferson here, the government that governs the best governs the least. With that, ladies and gentlemen, this week's wisdom from God's Word comes to us from Galatians 5.13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Friendship often indulges the flesh. Serving one another humbly in love means a return to our Christian-inspired founding documents and the form of government it created. That may include some pains because special programs may go away, but love is not without pain and sacrifice. Look to the example of our Creator, who sacrificed His Son, who endured great pain because of God's love for us. I recently shared an article on my blog that I believe you should all read. The gist of it is this, where is and where has the American church been in this battle we are all in right now? The title of the opinion piece at Creative Destruction Media is this, A Letter to America's Pastors. America is calling you off of the bench. John Locke cited scripture more than 1,500 times in his Treatise of Government. That was the primary work that influenced the Founding Fathers when putting together our Declaration of Independence. John Locke was a defender of Christianity and the constitutional republican form of government, stating that it is the biblical form of government. Mr. Locke knew that a constitutional republic would be crucial to any nation's success. Hence, we have had only one constitution, while many other nations have had many during their course of existence. It was a lack of religious freedom not freedom from religion, that led to the founding of our republic. As stated in the opinion piece, the pilgrims understood the sacred principle of Psalm 33:12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. They brought that principle to the shores of the new world and brought forth on this land a new thing. Where the citizens were the sovereign not a king, emperor, dictator, or even an oligarchy. The Bible became the spiritual foundation of our nation. Our system of jurisprudence is based upon the law given to Moses, and we must have a solid, 
moral background to keep tyranny at bay. With the churches, not all of them, mind you, but with many of the churches retreating from the culture, what has happened to our moral background? Where children are exposed to sexuality at every turn, where their innocence is destroyed, where the government financially threatens only certain churches that do not toe the government line? Unless the true church, which is every one of us, God's children, this includes every pastor, priest, minister in our nation takes the right ground in politics as God ordained, we will lose our nation. That is serving humbly in love. I have discussed many times on this program how our founding documents are biblically inspired. And that may be the reason for government's attitude towards people of faith and faith-based organizations over the past few decades. Government right now, and this is all levels of government, wants to replace our creator with themselves. Two of the six unchanging principles in our Declaration of Independence were inspired by scripture. And these unchanging principles are attacked by government every day. These two principles are this, one, there is a divine creator, and two, unalienable rights come from God. Not even the government has authority over them. Do you see why government tries to erase that from our national memory? Each of us has a duty and a responsibility to preserve the sacred gift our creator bestowed upon us with this nation. We are all stewards of freedom and if we don't exercise good stewardship, our future generations will never know this gift. Something that really grabbed me from this opinion piece was the following sentences. Quote, As a church, we spent too much time on the sidelines watching our society and culture eroded by attacks from within and without. Christ gave humanity dominion over the earth until his return and that means we must perform our sacred duty while results remain God's." Unquote. Our apathy has allowed the attacks from within and without on our society and our culture. No other nation has advanced the gospel more than the United States of America, but for decades now the church has not taken the right stand in politics. They have failed to take a stand in the arena against these forces. We are seeing the results all around us of our lack of stewardship. All of us are being called to grab our tools and go into the garden no matter the cost. Citizenship in a constitutional republic founded upon Christian principles demands it, or freedom, our liberty, will be a thing of the past. Contributing to this lack of stewardship of liberty are the machinations of the two-party political system. The cost will be high in terms of our current cancel culture, but that is not high when compared to living under tyranny. Seek out and encourage your family, your friends, neighbors, and co-workers to reassert our stewardship over government in our constitutional republic. Each of us have many people in our sphere of influence that this can be accomplished. Be encouraging with them 
with yourselves, with your pastors. Every church, be it us individually or your local churches, are called to this work. Will you answer the call? Or will you continue to let a government that hates you and hates the influence our Creator has with you control your destiny? I want to encourage all of you to head over to the website, find the blog post, and click on the link to the article. Share it with every Christian in your contacts list. I will be including a link to it in the campaign newsletter as well. That is it for this week. And until next week, stand in the arena with me. Reveille, it's time to wake up.